Hello again, everybody. This is Lance Russell with Championship Wrestling with another big week. Join us right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Double Dropkick Show. I'm Heath Mulliken. And I'm Mark Whitman. And on this episode, um, Mark told me to surprise him. So that's what I'm going to do. I want to talk about two things AEW related. And again, when we, one thing we try to do on this show, we we don't want to talk about the stuff everybody else talks about. Right. Or at least, I mean, there's some unavoidable topics. Yeah. We try to talk about it in a different way. Uh, this is a twofold question. One is, and when you mentioned this on the last episode, um, because I talked about is AEW trying to find their identity, because they started out with like a certain group of wrestlers, mm-hmm. people like Cody have left. That then they had to they they had a lot of signings. You had Miro, uh, and you had Danielson, you had Cole, and you had. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, and and some of them have come and gone, or some of them have kind of been put off to the wayside. Now you have even more signings, and now they're trying to do Ring of Honor. It just seems like a lot of people are lost in the mix. Mm -hmm. And so my question, what does AEW need to do to finally break through? They've kind of settled in rating-wise, and I'm sure it's not exactly what they were hoping for. Probably. Um, but what, what what does AEW need to do to kind of bump it up and maybe get to another level? Mm, that's a good question. I'm sure there – I mean, I don't know that I have the answer to that, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I, mean, I would think some consistency. As somebody who watches it, here's what I can tell you. I like certain people – and they might have them, and they have a great match, but that's really all they're doing. Nobody really has anything to do on the show. Mm. That's that is kind of what it, it, you know. You'll see people wrestling each other, right? And you'll see feuds. Hangman Page and, and John Moxley are in a feud right now, and you'll have the Dark Order gets involved a little bit, and the the, the Blackpool Combat Club will kind of come out every once in a while. But it's like there's nobody has anything to do. There's a lot of uh, rudderless ships, right? In AEW, it seems. Uh, man, I just like everybody else. Takasha, to keep, uh, you know, you know who I'm talking about. Maybe um, the ja- I'm assuming Japanese he, yes, guy. Yes, he's the Japanese um, star. He's really good, man. Really good. But find something for him to do. Right. You know, let's, you brought him over here. You, he he come in. He had some good matches. He went back to Japan, and they brought him back, and signed him. And I hadn't seen him since since then. Right, right. So I just don't I don't understand the signing people just to have them sign. I'm sure they love it. I would. Yeah, yeah I'd love to make a big money contract, not have to do anything. It'd be great, you know. And that works for guys like Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, but it don't right. work for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well. Brock Lesnar, he is a mold of person where he is fine to sit home and collect a paycheck. Yeah, oh, no doubt. But I feel like there, and I'm not saying one way is right, one way is wrong, but it's like these guys today, man, I want to wrestle six times a week. That's right. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, really, I don't know the answer to that question. I just, I know from what I say, I would like to see a little more consistency. Um, I would like to see, I always would like to see the rules followed a little bit better. I would like to see some things toned down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Everything doesn't have to be 20 dives and jumping and blood. We talked a little bit about the blood. Right. So that when you do those things, it's important and it matters. You know, I just don't think you have to do everything all the time. You, You know, you can set the table before you eat. Right. Part of the thing with me with AEW is there is no – there doesn't seem to be a hierarchy of things. Right. Everybody seems the same. 
Like to me, uh, Jungle Boy is on the same level as MJF. Yeah, they almost treat them like they almost they, treat them. It's yeah, like right. it's like an upward basketball. Uh-huh. It's like everybody's kind of on the same level. You don't necessarily have main event guys and mid card well, guys. Because when they actually had a main event guy, they ran him off. Okay, that let's hold off on that. <laughs> I would I want to come back to that and ask you. Well, I want to ask you how you would book CM Punk's return because maybe we need to go ahead and go to that now. No, we can come because back. Because as time. They say time heals all wounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw, a, 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 I've seen statements from many people who have all said, <coughs> man, of course, nobody wanted it to go down like that. It should have been handled differently. I wish it, I, it might have been Omega said. It was. It was Omega this past week said it was just unfortunate. That, yeah. That, that they, and I think most people probably cooler heads prevail and you realize, man, we probably didn't handle that. Right. We should have you should have handled it before it became a problem. Right. You set everybody down and said, "Look, we don't have to be friends." Right. But you know, we are going to have to work together. And here's some issues we have. Right. What kind of issues do you have? Let's work through those. And maybe the solution is we just need two different locker rooms. And kudos, I'll say this now, because I think the snap judgment would have been, and probably we would have all supported Tony Khan firing CM Punk at that time. I would have supported him firing Hangman Adam Page for starting the whole thing. Right. Because on the Observer Awards, those readers voted one of the most disgusting things was that they didn't punish CM Punk for what he said about Adam Page. And I just thought, wait a minute. So you're okay with that with Adam Page doing it, but it wasn't okay when Punk did it? Right. It wasn't okay for either of them to do it. No, that's right. That's right. I think... It's going to be, it's going to prove a prudent move. Cause let me tell you, this is just me because I'm a mark. Mm-hmm. Let's be very clear. If Tony, if, if, if it all comes around and the full gear pay per view main event or one of the matches is Adam Page versus CM Punk and Tony Khan says, you know what? We're having to up our pay per view prices to $79.99. I will pay it. Yeah. I will pay the money to see that. And I'll let you pay it, and I'll watch that pay-per-view with you, I promise. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I'll do. Okay. I'll even let you get us some pizzas before we watch it. I'm telling you, folks, they don't I'm, call it. I'm, I'm nothing if not compassionate to the plight of my fellow man. <laughs> Listen, they don't call him uh, Mr. Generosity for nothing, <laughs> folks. Uh, so... How do you book the How do you book the return of CM Punk? How would you do that? Hmm. That's a good question, Heath. I would. I would definitely. Huh? Let me. Is it a good thing that he got hurt? Because he would have been out anyway. Yeah, he would have been out anyway. So it probably is. I mean, it kind of gave him a maybe very fortunate, that. and it may be. You know, I still ain't a hundred percent sure. You know, that ain't got something to do with why he had to be off. You know. I don't know. I mean, I know they really got into it and all that. I, uh, but I just wonder, you know, I mean, it was a good opportunity, him being hurt, to let cooler heads prevail. Go home for a few months. You heal up. Let's let cooler heads prevail and let's get back together and talk about this thing. And hopefully, hopefully, everybody realizes how much money is there. Yes. And a CM Punk FTR versus the elite. I mean, hopefully, you know, and what if, what, what if um, Hangman Page is involved with the elite and we need that other guy and, and you can figure out a way to let that other guy be MJF, a, a baby face turning MJ, MJF who has had, who has, Punk has earned his respect, and he's earned Punk, and he's not going to be any different. Not going to talk any different. Not going to act any different. He's still going to be the same guy that you hate, but you'll just love to hate him now. Does again, you busted my balls the last episode for comparing Roman Reigns to Ric Flair. Uh-huh. Does MJF have? A similar quality to Flair, in that Flair never changed. 
Flair's promos never changed. Just, he was always the dirtiest player. You either cheered him. You right. think MJF's kind of? But I think he could. Yeah. I don't, do I don't do I think he's on Ric Flair's level? Absolutely I'm not. Not. I think he's got a long yes. way to go before we start making. That's that why I said similar characters. Um, but yes, I think because he was turning babyface anyway. Before they, right. you know, he was almost a full fledged babyface, and he was cutting some great babyface promos, right, to get people. There. If you got charisma, you got it. Yes, you either have that. You can't teach what he has, right. So he, those, those people, are eat out of the palm of his hand. They boo him out of respect for what he's doing, right. And I think right. that's awesome. But he could be a huge babyface, and if not him, then you got Danielson. You know, that you can team up with, with Punk and FTR. And I still say, one time, for the right amount of money, for the heat, if everybody yeah. would just realize, let's, let's, let's actually make some money here. Yeah. Let's make some money. Who cares if we're not working with our – it seems that the other camp, Mm -hmm. Being the elite yeah. just wants to work with their friends. Right. They want to work with their buddies who have similar philosophies as they do. Right. That's what it seems like. Maybe it's not true, but right. that's what it seems like. If they could get past that and and start learning how to to work with people they don't like and work with people who are and realize you're not on the independent wrestling scene anymore. You're not just gonna be able to work in the bingo at in the at the VFW out in um Reseda. For for pro wrestling gorilla, and start trying to make some money and bring Jim Cornette in. Yeah, and you don't have to listen. You don't need him there all the time. He don't need to be on every show, right? But for four shows and a pay per view, man, give that man a million dollars because you'll make it back. Right? Could you imagine the 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 heat that's gonna that's gonna happen when Jim Cornette comes out? It would be insane. Oh man! Because in my mind, I'm telling the story like starting out like the 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 punk and MJF and everybody. They very much could be the heels in this scenario with FTR. Yeah, you could make them the heels, almost an NWO type. Right, situation right, right, they, right. They don't like what you're doing. Right. We don't like the type of wrestling that you're doing. That's not wrestling. Right. What we do is professional wrestling. Right. So you could definitely put a heel MJF with him. Maybe that's the better angle. And I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that. That seems to be the general consensus that that's the angle they need to go with. Right. If they want to take it to the next level and make some money. Because you got different – man, you can put the Young Bucks with FTR, Omega, and Punk. Are you kidding me? you telling me that – I think even Omega mentioned, I'd kind of like to see how this match played out. Right. That would be an amazing match. Right. You know, Danielson and Omega, you know, that's going to be good. Yeah. Didn't they already wrestle? Yeah, and it was. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was they amazing did like a 30-minute match, match yeah. didn't they? Yeah. It, it might have been an hour. I can't remember. Whatever right. it was, it was a time limit draw. Right. You put Danielson and Punk versus the Young Bucks. I mean, God, there's so much. What? How? It feels like Danielson wrestles on TV every week. He does. That's why it feels that way. I mean. But that's been the gimmick. Right. And uh, that's what he wants. He came back to wrestle. Right. But the whole the whole gimmick with leading up to the match with MJF was that MJF was bringing in somebody different for him to wrestle every week. Right. That was the. That was that's tomorrow night, right? I'm going to have to. It is. It is. I, now, why did they used to do their pay-per-views on Saturdays? Is this. I'm curious. I don't know. I wish they'd get back to it because they go too late. I got to work Monday Right, morning. right. If I was off. Monday if it was morning, tonight, we would have changed our whole schedule. Yeah, yeah. I definitely would have watched it tonight. I yeah. Would, and, but I just, even tomorrow night, I thought about buying it. But I just, I know that it's going to be 2 o'clock before, before it goes off. And I just can't. I got to be up early the next morning. You should buy it and tell me the login. I will. Okay. If I do, I'll I'll let you know. One of us should do that. We should. We should find, yeah, figure out a way to watch it. Um, I think that definitely, I, if they bring in Cornette. I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. But it, How much do you think Cornette it would take? Uh, I think that if he could get everybody on the same page and everybody agreed to do this thing to make money, I don't think it would take that much. I think he would do. I think he likes being a heel, 
And he knows that the biggest heel response he's ever going to get in his life would be walking out in the in front of that AEW crowd and calling Kenny Omega Harpo or Olivier and the Cucamonga kids and doing his whole routine yeah. that they live in, whether they want to admit it or right. not, that they live and breathe by listening to, to hear what he's got to say about their favorite wrestlers. Yeah. You know, if you could get him to do it, I think there's there's not going to be any more nuclear heat ever gotten in wrestling right. than that. Right. That would change the tide of global warming. <laughs> hey, you know, and Cornette, at the end of the day, he's a businessman. Mm-hmm. And if you tell him, Corn- Jim, you sign this picture, we're going to get this picture signed from the match. It's going to have all y'all signatures, and it's going to sell for $750. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think Cornette is a he's a businessman and money will talk. Yeah, there's stuff he won't do now. You right. Know, he's not gonna do anything with Vince Russo. Right. He's made that abundantly clear. Right. I think they were offered a lot of money to do a sit down interview. Right. And he told him to go tell him how much money he co- he just cost him. He said, uh. Go tell Russo how much money he just lost because 'cause I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna help him make any more money. Right. Right. Uh, um, I mean, there's still so much you could do with with punk. I, I guess the other question I wanted to ask is: on the one hand, we were all shocked Cody left AEW, and then there's another part of me that's not shocked at all. I think I think Cody scratched an itch that he thought he had in being an executive vice president. Uh-huh. And wanting to be in that side of the business. I think Cody figured out, I'm not my dad. Right. And his dad really loved that part of the business. And Cody's like, man, I just want to wrestle. Yeah. I just want to wrestle and do my thing and perform. Um, rumors are, you know, Omega's contract is up this fall. Same thing with the Young Bucks. We're not sure their their contract status. Um, I th- has, has AEW outgrown those guys like where they don't need them anymore i once again i think if they're gonna get to the next level <clears throat> i don't think that i would outgrow kenny omega no, right i don't but i would definitely outgrow the young bucks yeah i don't think they need the young bucks i i think if the young bucks i think the young bucks are at this stage if i were them i would go i'd go on a weekend retreat with chris jericho and I would be like, all right, man, you've invented, reinvented yourself so many times. Yeah. And we, we've never, we've always been the same. Right. They, they're they the young bucks and they're losing their hair. Right. And so what, is it, what does it mean to young bucks 2.0? You know what I mean? What does yeah. that look like? I think that's what they've. Cause yeah, I think you're right. They need a, they need a facelift. Or whatever however you want to call it. They need to they need to reinvent themselves because you're right. They're doing the same thing. What if the young bucks Oh my gosh. I'm gonna throw this out at you. Do the angle with Cornette. Do that feud. The young bucks kind of wake up and like All right, Cornette, we want to be better. We want you to come back. That's never going to happen. But what if the Young Bucks like adopted a mat-based, classic <laughs> tag team Learn style? How to, like not, you know. Basically, like opposite George. Yeah. <laughs> like you want to do a springboard here? No. An arm drag. You're going to yeah. do arm drags. Yeah, that's right. And you're going to do like basically like that – and be heels. Like, we think going off the top rope is stupid. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and just start grabbing a headlock, laying in the middle of the ring with it. Yes. And not doing any other stuff. I mean, that would be a good good way for them to get some, to be heels, I guess. And bring Cornette in as their manager. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Never, I don't think that's ever going to No. Happen. I think there are a lot of hurt feelings. I don't think they can hurt Cornette's feelings. No. You know, but I think he's definitely hurt theirs. I think about some of the things that have been said about Cornette. Some that are true and some of the rumors and innuendo and 
Yeah, I think he's pretty much impervious to pain. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. Um, this is a man who goes to the post office every morning and ships off 30 boxes from Castle Cornet of yeah. merchandise. He's. I don't think he does anymore. He's got somebody doing it for him now. It got too big. I think he signs everything and he still packages it all, but he's got, um, from what I understand, there's a some people that are like, come and get the stuff now. I have got the Midnight Express scrapbook. And I have got a ton. Uh, my friend Thomas got me a ton of signatures in that thing. Yeah. And um, I'd be curious. I have no idea what those are going for. But you know what I found? I, I can tell you what I sold that for. <laughs> you know what I realized the other day was um, when we went to Fan Fest the first time, I bought Mike Mooneyham's Mid-Atlantic Memories book. Mm-hmm. You know, they made a, a documentary you and I star in. Oh, yeah. Um, Focal points of the documentary. Um, well, when I bought it, they sold it to me for $20. But they didn't really. Yeah. They sold me the autograph version. And I was showing somebody the other day, it had autographs in there I didn't realize. It's got a Jody Hamilton autograph. Oh, yeah. Um, Ivan Koloff, uh, Johnny Weaver. Um, I think it's got Danny Miller huh. in there. And. Uh, I'd be like, man, I'm curious what this would go for. You'd be surprised what some of them wrestling books have sold for. I sold, uh, I, I had The Last Outlaw, Stan Hansen's book. I sold it for like $75. And that was not autographed. Mm-mm. Wow. Or was it? No, it wasn't. Yeah, I didn't buy it from him. Uh, I sold, uh, I sold my, uh, J.J. Dillon. Uh-huh. I had his autobiography I bought somewhere. Um I think it was signed. I think I got it from him at FanFest. Anyway, I sold it for about 50 bucks. You know. Maybe I need to start signing books. You do. I need to write a book. You need to write one. I need to write. My Cornhead scrapbook. I got $350. Who all had signed it? Just him? Yeah, just him. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not that. He knows about the law of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Um, I have his book, the Tuesday Night at the Gardens book too. Uh-huh. I'm just waiting on the demand to come back up for it. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Post it and sell it. Once I've read a book, I don't need to. What am I going? You know, right. that Midnight Express book was a fun collectible to have. It really was. But as you know, everything I got is for sale, and they, it right. reached a. I don't know that they're ever during the pandemic at that one at the height of the pandemic. Um, you know, you and I have talked about that card that you got. You missed your window opportunity right, I did. I did. To, to do it. You will never get as much again. I mean, it, during the height of the pandemic, all, everything that you had been holding on to to sell for your whole life to right. make the money off of them during the pandemic was the time to do it. And I made a lot of money selling stuff on eBay. And I'm pretty fortunate I did it before they enacted the uh, the um, 1099 if you make more than $600. Oh, my. So I didn't have to. The, you're allowed so many transactions because I was just buying and selling. I wasn't, yeah. you know, I'd buy stuff or sell stuff to buy more stuff. But, yeah, you missed your window. If you, if you got collectibles to sell and you didn't sell during the pandemic, you might as well hold on to them 20 more years. Give them to your kids because they're not, you mm-hmm. know. And I told you what I'd give you for your cards. You did. You did. No deal. Can't make that deal. Just don't understand. I get it. You, you'd rather have your cake and tell people that you got it. You're just, that's what it is. That's right. You just would rather have it so you can say you have it and keep it locked away. And I'm telling you right now, I'll have it sold by the time I can get the grading back. Yeah. That's what I mean. I just got to get it great. I, I wish there were a place that you could take it to. If it, it, there is, and, and I, we'll look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, though, you know, to get that card graded is going to cost about as much as I offered you for it. Right? That's correct. Yes. So you're not going to make any more money. Right. Than if I just gave you. Right. What I said I would give you for. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're not going to make any more money right. than that. But So why not help a friend out who will pay for the grading fee 
and take and I'll pay all the auction costs. Are you going to pay all that and get less money than you would get if you just sold it to me? That's what I don't understand. We may have to renegotiate this. <laughs> well, the price is going to go down once you realize how little you're actually going to make on selling this thing. I need it. What I need to do, I need to find a buyer. I need to find somebody who's like, hey, if it's this. You have a buyer. No, 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 no. You, I'm looking for a mark. Me I'm looking that you for would different... rather let some some stranger take, it, <laughs> take advantage of you. <laughs> I don't understand it. Um, anyway, what were we talking about? Did you find the um, cornet book? Yeah, we opened some cards last time, and there was uh, one of them was like a. Yeah, I, I one of twenty five. Okay, I think uh, like the comp that I don't think it was five hundred dollars. I'm thinking more like twenty five or thirty, probably. It'd pay for your pack. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm gonna send it off and get it graded. I think if it comes back in a ten, I'll be able to. I but here I would take vacation to drive to the place. I do not want to put this card in the mail. Oh, so that's what we're talking about. A I want to. I want to go. We need to check and see if there are any sports cards. Um, uh, conventions yeah in atlanta or charlotte okay because i'm guessing the ones right that you get those that happening little convention centers around here sometimes yeah. be at the haywood mall once or twice a year right the psa is not going to be there for those right. but some of the i know that they go to the national convention right um they're usually they'll set a shop up and they'll grade but it's going it's not going to be cheap it's not going to be that 15 dollar uh, vintage grading service <laughs> to get that card graded. You know that. It's, right. It's right. going to be probably seven, eight hundred dollars It's going to be, there's going to be a lot of sticker shock. Yeah. And then you're going to have to pay eBay or if you do the sale yourself, you're going to have to pay eBay. If you have somebody else do it for you, you're going to have to pay them and eBay. And you're going to get 1099 for the money that you're going to make off of it. Cause it's going to be more than $600. Well, but You'll have to pay the full taxes on all of it without all those extra charges that went in for you getting it graded and whatnot. Well, that's why this is going to be a private sale. Private sale. Yeah. Who are you going to sell it to after it's been graded? Who around here? Can you can you imagine? I'm gonna come crawling back to you. Come on, Mark. Come on, man. I got it. I got I've you. Got, now I've got five thousand dollars tied up in this car, and it's only <laughs> worth thirty two hundred. What do I do? And I'm gonna go. Well, I'll give you eight fifty for it. <laughs> but you said a thousand. I said, Oh, I know. I said a thousand. Yeah, yeah. That was then. Now it's eight fifty. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yeah, I got yeah, I got some decisions I got to make about it. Hey, for those of you who don't know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. Oh, no, this is why you like having it so that you can tell everybody. Well, I don't let's tell them. Let's I'm tell not. the people. No, let's uh, drag it all out. No, no I don't. You want. need to tell them. No, no. Tell them. Most people know. Right. I have an ungraded raw. Michael Jordan rookie card. And I have offered Heath a thousand dollars for it. Because you can't very rarely will anybody buy a raw version of that card because it's such such a highly counterfeited card. Right. We've estimated the PSA grade to be a three. Right. Which sells for about thirty two hundred dollars. Yeah. So I've offered to buy it raw because right. I'm gonna have to get it graded. Yep. I'm going to have to take all the risk of it coming back lower than a three. Yep. Hmm. Yep. I have to take all the risks. But for some reason, he thinks I should still have to pay him like $5,000 for this card. I would never ask you for $5,000. I would. I, mm, I, I don't know. I like, I don't know. 
I don't know why. There's something in me that I, I don't want to burden you with it. I know. No, it's I don't a burden. No, I gladly you like bear. telling people you have it, and I don't blame you. It, uh, yeah, because I paid. Cool I paid have. five dollars for it. Right. I it's bought a, a stack of cards. Five dollars. Uh-huh. It had the Jordan rookie Fleer eighty six, and it's got a Jordan sticker yeah. Fleer eighty six that also goes for over a thousand dollars. Yes, I didn't know you had the the sticker too. Yes. Yeah. So. Like you got, when you hear about people that got like these closet or attic right. finds, you got one. Right. You got one back then. Right. The guy didn't know what he had. Yeah. We were in we were in seventh grade. He right. he had bought some basketball cards. Like I don't really want them, and it, he sold me a stack of cards for five dollars. And in nineteen eighty seven, that's was, probably what they were worth. That was worth more than five dollars then. Yeah, because that would have been Jordan's third year. And the reason I didn't take great care of this card is it has his second-year stats. I didn't realize it was his rookie card because that was first-year Fleur-made cards. Yep. I got a lot of Jordan cards. I don't have the second – I don't have the 87 Fleur. Hmm. And I wish now there were were times I could have bought that for 75 and and wish, wish I would have done that. Yeah, yeah, I kind of regret all the really good cards I had. I wound up getting rid of over the years. I think back to when I could have bought a pack of '86 Fleer basketball cards mm-hmm. for fifty dollars, and I wish I could go back and be like yeah. that's a steal. Uh huh. Yeah, because you could sell them. You could get them graded and sell them for, I think, seven eight hundred. The bucks. the worst card of Fleer '86. Mm-hmm. Like I have a James Worthy rookie card from that year that's 15, 20 bucks. There's a Dr. J. Um, I don't think that's his rookie. That's more of his last card. Um, I I got a ton of those Fleer 86 because they're all they're literally all rookie cards. Carl mm-hmm. Malone, Charles Barkley, Akeem Olajuwon, all those guys, people like that. Um, I do have I have Magic Johnson's second year card tops. I have Bird's mm. second year card tops. Didn't pay a lot for them. Yeah. Probably less than twenty bucks. Wow. Um, but I just you know I read an article recently that said if you took the same amount of money, right? Whether it be five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand. It might have been you and me that talked about this. Let's say you took ten thousand dollars. You bought ten thousand dollars worth of Apple stock, mm-hmm. and you bought ten thousand dollars worth of eighty six Fleer and left it unopened. Yeah. That. The ten thousand dollars worth of eighty six Fleer sold per pack would be a better buy than the ten thousand dollars worth of Apple stock in yeah, that's cr- that's crazy. You would make more money selling all that unopened wax. Yeah, it's just just wild, especially after the pandemic. I'm like you. There were times right before the pandemic. I hate to tell people this. Mm-hmm. I was on. I think it was Baseball Card Exchange. And I had about $500 worth of stuff in my cart. I had like 89 score football, which uh-huh. is Barry Sanders, Troy Aikman, yeah. you know, that whole Andre Rising, that whole class. I had some 89 upper deck. I had some, it wasn't 86 Fleer, but it mm-hmm. was like maybe 87 or 88 Fleer basketball. Anyway, I remember the grand total was like $575. Mm-hmm. And I sit there and talk myself out of it. I wish I'd have been drunk that night. Yeah. Because I would have bought it. Yeah. But I talked myself out of it. The 89 score box of unopened football was, I think, $150. Uh-huh. A box unopened, wrapped with the baseball card exchange, just sold for $1,800 the other day. <sighs> like three or four years ago. Wow. If I'd, have, if I'd have bought that $500 worth of stuff and held on to it and sold it, I mean, I wouldn't be rich, obviously, but I'd have right. paid for my. I mean, I'd have made, I'd have probably made close to ten grand if I'd have right held on and sold all that stuff. Hmm. And I get sick every time I think about it. Is that like me knowing, thinking back to buying a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin in twenty twelve? Oh man, it's got to be even worse to know that. <laughs> there were three of us. We were all going to put uh, in a hundred dollars. Yeah, we'd all made forty million. Dollars. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I don't even think we're on. My story is nowhere near that uh, on the stratosphere. But back then, to buy Bitcoin, 
it was like you had to have CIA clear. It was yeah. like crazy. It wasn't like get on an app, body boom, body bing. Yeah. You've heard the story of the guy that that owns all the Bitcoin and can't remember the password yes. to get into it. And he's got like one more try. So he's got a bounty out, I guess some kind of, he's asking for hackers to hack his account and he'll just split the money with them. Cause if not, if he tries one more time, it's all going away. How does, that's so crazy to me. But it's probably one of them things you just there don't w- think about. There was a lot. I mean, when uh, Dogecoin took off, uh, I got in early. And uh, there were a bunch of the speculative um, cryptos, Shiba Uno, Eno, uh, bought a bunch of it, mm-hmm. that were like, you know, you put in $100 and you're getting like 40 million of them. Right. That if they get to a penny, right, you've done well. And uh, there was one, I, I needed to sell some the other day, uh, just pay for something. And I was like, oh. I forgot I had this. It's like, oh, crud. I don't even remember. What's the, you know, I, I've say you know, got my keys saved in different places. I was like, oh, man. And there was one that, um, yeah, I need to, I need to check it because, like, I have no idea. I'm sure it's not doing well. Not if yours or anything like mine. I, yeah. <laughs> I got $2 left in one of mine. <laughs> well, now, you know. They're just trying to give away. Like I've seen a bunch of contests last week. Hey, if you do this, win a Bitcoin. Boy, they weren't yeah. doing that two years uh, ago. I see a lot of people giving NFTs away now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was one guy, maybe a celebrity that had spent I think, uh, millions of dollars on an NFT that was worth like ten grand now. A lot of them have. They all bought those bored apes. Right. You know, I think uh, Steph Curry... Wow. Bought a bunch of them. I think Eminem bought a few. Somebody, Jimmy Fallon, somebody was on Jimmy Fallon. They were both talking about their their bored apes that they bought. And I mean, I can remember seeing them on Rally. Yeah. For sale. There was a couple of them for sale on Rally. I, mean, I, I just still don't understand. The, I never understood the NFT. Owning a digital picture. Yeah. Makes, I don't get it. I get it now. I think they were selling some like clips, some sports clips, maybe where you could buy, you would actually own certain footage. Uh huh. You know, every time it got used and played, I think you make a little money off of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but no, the ape thing, I don't understand. No, like I, every time somebody would try to just explain an NFT to me, well, it's a non-fungible token. I'm like, okay, yeah, what, man, is, you know. what does that mean? Um, now, Cornette did some. I think he And did. I think he, and here's the thing. Once you sell them, you made your money. Yeah, you make no. If people here. will buy, if people will buy them. Yeah. Then. Uh, uh, I think Lana Rhodes did a, did a bunch of them. And I think there were some issues. People got upset, you know, because there wasn't any, you know. Wind up not being a whole lot of value to them later on down the line. I, I, you know, I think that's like, uh, yeah. But I think you're right too. I I think during the pandemic, the value of everything changed. People were sitting around the home; they had mm-hmm. some extra income. Yeah. And I think from that, they thought, "Oh, what if we did these NFTs?" And then by that time, yeah. the pandemic's winded down. And I think there were a lot of people who who got um, stimulus money, mm-hmm. who needed money, mm-hmm. who who that very much helped them through a rough time. Right. There were also people who got stimulus money that weren't really struggling. Right. And it was an opportunity to say, you know what, I've always wanted right a Michael Jordan rookie card, and now I'm going to get one. And that drove the price. You know, right. I, I've never had this extra money, and now I've got this extra however much. Hey, I think what I'm going to do is buy this $700 box of football cards. Right. And see, and then they'd get lucky, and they'd hit a card that was worth five grand. Right. And then they'd sell that, and they'd buy $5,000 worth of stuff. I'd like to get into doing that, but it's tough, man. It's, it requires a lot of effort Yeah. to do that. Right. Right, uh, an effort that I just don't want to put into a lot of things. Well, some of it, so much of it now, 
whether it's comic books or cards, so much of it has, there's a, no matter what you do, there's an, you got to deal with two middlemen. You got to deal with eBay or whatever platform you're using and you got to deal with the greater. And it's like, no matter what you do, whoever you are, you're going to have to jump through those two hoops. Right. And it is a lot. I'm probably, I sold some cards and that got, you know, got scammed. I mean, the guy complained to eBay, oh, these is not the, you know, these are right. damaged or whatever. And eBay doesn't, eBay very rarely takes the seller's side. Yeah. They always take the buyer's side. Right. And, and uh, I, I mean, they made me give the guy's money back. It wasn't my, they just took my money and gave it to him and, right. and said, hey, he'll send, he's supposed to send you these cards and he never did. Right. And what, what's my recourse for that? Right. If can you get? Can you rate him as a buyer? No. Once the transaction got canceled, it it does uh, didn't allow me to give feedback on him. That was, you know. That sounds like a scam. Well, I mean, yeah, he definitely scammed me out of my cards. Wow. You know, and it, well, it wasn't a whole lot of money. I mean, it was. You know what it was? Those Marvel Impel cards that I wish. I'd have had mine graded. They had the Marvel, the first series of the Marvel cars that came out mm-hmm. during the pandemic. For some reason, those got went through the roof. Right, the pricing on those things. Again, I've had the opportunity to buy boxes of those for ten dollars over the years, and I wish I'd have bought every box. If I'd have known, I'd have bought every box I could find. Right, uh, Star Wars cards. Uh huh. The original Star Wars cards. I looked at a wax box of those the other day, and it was like $1,500 for a wax box. And you used to see them everywhere right. for $0.10 cent a pack. I got Those uh, WWF cards. Yeah. Remember we opened some? Yeah. We shouldn't open those. Right. Those WCW cards. Man, I don't know how many packs of them I've opened over. People, I had a friend of mine who used to give them to me. He, he had bought yeah. them. He bought a bunch of them at an auction. They just were in the auction thing, and he'd give me a bunch of them. And I'd open them just goof. We opened some of them here. I brought them, yeah. I remember. And I uh, talked about them. Even those were selling for like $50 a wax box. Because when I was up in Pigeon Forge, they, he had a stack of them. And I started to buy them all in. But I'm glad I didn't because they've, they've kind of gone way down in value. Right. right. And that's what's going to happen. You're, you know, we were in the wax junk era in the 90s. We're going to be in the junk graded era. Now. Right, because PSA is clamping down on what they give tens out to right now. Uh-huh. Now's really not a good time to get cards graded because they're being real, 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 real specific, not giving a lot of tens out because so many people are submitting cards. I would be, I would want to submit cards that I know a lot of people would not be submitting. Some of those Return of the Jedi, some of those WWF. Yeah. You know, I've got a signed rock card, a signed Hulk Hogan card, and a signed Undertaker card. No clue where they are. I know they're somewhere in my stuff from when we moved. Man, that's the thing about you with some of these. I told you. Well, I've had to move 10 times. I know that, but I mean, you've had things, and I told you, I will give you X amount of dollars for that. And you would say no because you would rather leave it laying on the floor in some building that's going to flood and get ruined. Then, then part with it. You'd rather let it just sit there and rot no, than that's, make $100. You can't say it's not true because even when I pointed it out, you didn't even pick it up out of the water that was fixing to run all over it. Well, what was that? The, the, the Nintendo. Oh, I saw that in the attic the other day. I meant Did to you? bring that to you today. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I mean, no. Oh, you gonna, you going to let me have it now? Not going to let you have it. Oh, now you want some money. You offered me money. What did I offer you for it? Because it might have been pandemic pricing, and it might not be the same now. Pandemic prices have come way down. What I pay for things is because <laughs> based on what I can we're sell gonna, them for. We're going to negotiate. I ain't doing it because I want to hook it up to my TV and play it. Um, I can't remember. Y'all, I think you're. I think we started a hundred. It's probably going to be less than that. Though. Okay. Well, the price tag on the box says seventy nine ninety nine. Okay. Well, that's a good good place to start. Going up. 
And it's going to include some games. Okay. Okay. I got WrestleMania. I got. I bought it because I had these games that I'd never played. Of course, WrestleMania. If you don't know, terrible game for Nintendo. But then there's a Japanese wrestling game. So you bought the Nintendo after you bought the games? Or did you buy the games because you had the Nintendo? I knew I had the Nintendo. Okay. And then I bought the games, got uh, got the Nintendo from my parents. It doesn't have the power cord. Yeah, we can fix that. The power cord is not a big deal. Right. But now how do you hook it up to a TV that doesn't have a... They make. I'm not gonna hook it up to my TV. You're not gonna hook it up to your TV. I tell you what, I'm getting ready to buy. I'm getting. No, I'm going to buy it from you for about half of the resale value. Right. And I'm going to turn around and sell it. That's uh-huh. what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, I'm getting ready to buy one of those uh, arcade things that hooks up to your TV. It's got like five thousand games because I found one. There's like a few. Wrestling arcade games that I really, really liked. Yeah. And this one, uh, Matt Mania, the the Wrestle, uh, not Re- it wasn't Re- Wrestle Fest. Yeah, those uh, are good games. And uh, and so yeah, I'm thinking about getting that and never fun. leaving my house again. I have uh, I have the Nintendo Classic. Okay. You know, that they released at Christmas a few years yeah. back. And I have the Sega Classic. Okay. I like it. And of course, I got a PlayStation Five. But see what. Did they? What sports games did they have? I got Tecmo Bowl on my Nintendo. I never liked Tecmo Bowl. I'm gonna be honest. I gotta tell you, because it wasn't. I just didn't like it. I didn't like the gameplay. I didn't like the. I don't know, man. It was like. I didn't have it originally. I started out with Madden and and Bill Walsh's college football. And so I got used to that mode of football where you're going uh, vertically, not horizontally. And so because I played those first, I believe that clouded my uh, love for Tecmo Bowl. I don't know what it's like to have Bo Jackson run for 700 yards against me. He doesn't run against you. You are Bo Jackson. Okay. You play as Bo Jackson. Okay. The fact that you would play against Bo Jackson is no. probably why you don't like Tecmo. I just know if we hooked up Tecmo Bo right now, I'm going to be the Raiders. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. And I would be First the Chiefs all, with Christian Okoye. I don't talk like it. <laughs> I know you don't. But when I'm going to Im- be the Raiders. No, when no I, I'm not saying But like when that. I imitate you, that's how I imitate you. <laughs> Hey everybody! Hey everybody! <laughs> I'm gonna be the Raiders. <laughs> Don't sound anything like it. I know that's what makes the the imitation so funny. <laughs> you don't like Tecmo Bowl? I mean, I mean, I would play Tecmo Bowl. Do you, do you not like apple pie? I do like apple. Pie. You know? Do you not like puppy's breath? In warm sunny days, do you have any guy who doesn't like Tecmo Bowl? They find I'm the guy. You're the guy. You're that one nerd. What well, on your um, Sega? What was uh, was Tecmo Bowl Sega or no? That was Nintendo. Okay, it's okay. got uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out on it. Oh yeah, I don't think it's Mike. It's just Punch Out. Punch Out. So uh, it's got. Legend of Zelda, which I, I see. I don't. I just want the sports games. Yeah, I like Super Mario Brothers. Played it a lot. The Sega. It's got all the Sonic games, and it's got. Uh, bring, bring. Yeah, that's pretty much what I play. I don't. I don't play it often. I mean, I have a PlayStation Five too. You know, I just finished God of War, which was amazing. I don't play a whole lot of games, but I play a couple a year. And, yeah. You beat them and feel satisfied with yourself. I do. I do. I live vicariously through Kratos. And, you know. I'm not familiar with that reference, but that's all right. He's, he's the god of war. Okay. And, and in the god of war game, Kratos is the, he's got the blades of chaos. The, what are you trying to do in god of war? Kill everybody. 
kill them all. I love how kill I, them all and let God sort them out. I, that, I can see how you like that he's game. Trying, in this one, he's, he's uh, it's it's Odin. He's he's going to kill Odin, lead an army. Actually, he has to fight Thor and Heimdall. I think is what's that guy's name? Yeah, one of them. Interesting. So you have to go find. You have to have a special spear. To, I sound like such a nerd now, don't I? That's why you're <laughs> making me do this. You have to go get all the you and the you and the elves have to go get the stuff together to get a more ma- get a mermaid to <laughs> forge you a special. A spe- <laughs> <laughs> a special spear. <laughs> Sandy Mulligan was right. You're a nerd, and all your friends are nerds. Ten years. So wait a minute. So ten years down the drain. I'm just a nerd like everybody else. <laughs> Uh, this entire podcast was leading to this one moment to expose you. Oh, my God. Hey, Heath, I got the mermaid in the house. They got me the spear of destiny. And now I can go fight uh, Go fight Thor. Y'all come watch. I think I'm going to stream it. It's going to be on Twitch. Follow me on Twitch at the DDK show. <laughs> Oh, you got it. You know, when you've been God, all you can do is admit you've been God. I didn't listen. It wasn't until you started talking. I'm like, what is happening right now? What is going on? It's like God of War. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to get the L. It's you like and the L, you and the L's go down and see the mermaids. You make you a special spear. That that makes that game a lot more or less appealing to me now. It's actually pretty good in the in the scope of the game. It's a real emotionally charged game. It's a father and son. Oh, okay. Game that you play with, and his son's kind of reaching that age where he's arguing with him all the time, and he's wanting to forge his own path, and he has to come to terms with letting him forge his own path. It's actually really a really really well done game, and I only play one or two games a year, and it's one of the one of the ones that I played. So. I. I remember, I want to say, this was play, it was maybe PlayStation 2, and there was a Batman, it was a Batman game based on the animated series, and like, I just couldn't get past like the second level, and I even had the book, mm-hmm. and it said, tap this twice, and then... <laughs> And I just couldn't do it. And it, that's always been my problem. Super Mario. I've never saved the princess on Super Mario Brothers. Right. You know, I never have either. You know, there's... I was like right there a few times. Because there was... um, There's this point in Super Mario. What well, if you go here and you slide a certain way, it'll give you unlimited lives. I never could do that. The whole Contra unlimited lives, up, up, down, down. You know, I couldn't do... there. And I think that's why... And I, And there was a point where I would give up. And I guess there's other people that either a were better at me than better at it than me, or were more resilient than me and kept going. And I isn't that life though? Yeah, and I just I just like the sports game because there was a clear beginning and a clear ending. I get that. That makes sense. That makes sense. One of my favorite moments, and I'm sure it was his one of his least favorite moments. And he is uh, Carrie and I were house sitting. And we were playing Madden, and we kind of had this. We had this rivalry because I wasn't great at Madden. But was it escalating to where it was getting personal? No, it wasn't there yet. But Carrie, Carrie didn't have a. I don't think Carrie had a Sega. Yeah. So the only time he played was when we would be hanging out. So I'm playing all the time, you know. And he's getting ready, like the clock is running out. He's got the ball on the. Th- it was like you know three yard line. He's getting ready to score the winning touchdown, and this is it. And there's nothing I can do about it. And I will never forget, the ball came loose. It was slow motion. And he fumbled. And I recovered. Mm. And, like, of course he went on to beat me other times. But it was like getting that first win. It was like this. I I remember sitting there. I'm like, well, this is it, man. Congratulations. Oh. And it was just like you just – I just remember him being so mad. And I just – I was like, there's nothing I can say. It was like, I got lucky. Yeah. I got lucky. Now I remember 
uh, we hung out at Tracy's one night, and uh, we were just all played Madden. And man, Charlesy, Charlesy just would run it up on you. Yeah, Charlesy had a team, and he would just run a hail mary every time, and he would beat you like ninety two to seven. Yeah, and I'm like. And then he'd run on sidekick, and he, you know, he'd mastered all that. Yeah, he did. He he had a Sega in his bedroom, and he played that all the time. Right. He did that all the time. Plus, he had really good hand-eye coordination. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Unlike me, yeah. legally blind, mm-hmm. two left thumbs. I think that's honestly got a lot to do with being good at video games is hand-eye coordination. Right. Also being a naval eighty aviator. <laughs> Good <laughs> yeah, that's right. Pretty important. Pretty important. Um man, we have been all over the we've talked about AWC yeah, and Punk. It got, got, it got nerdy up in here for a minute. Um we like to do that once a year. We know we have members of our audience. Listen, pretty much most people our age, if you check their DNA. 10% nerd. Oh, yeah, man. You got some, you own some sports cards. You got some comic books. You played some video games. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Most guys our age, yeah. But most girls in their 40s, they don't have anything. They've got. My they, wife plays video games. She's the one. She does. She plays. I've tried to talk her into getting a Twitch channel, you know. Because I think she would make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of something to say. I got nothing. Uh, you're, that's why you want to buy that card from me. You want to use the proceeds to invest in her Twitch channel. Mm-hmm. I got you. I see. Yeah, I think she could make a lot of money on on Twitch, man. I don't know how any of that works. I think it's like everything else. They can get patrons and whatnot, but females always seem to be a whole lot better at signing up a lot of people who are willing to pay them a lot of money just to say hey to them. Yeah. I haven't reached that level yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody's nobody's doing that with me. There are no women lining up to be patrons of the Double Dropkick Show, so I'll say hey to them. Maybe that's an untapped market. Maybe that's the niche we should have went for. Yeah. Instead of me talking about local independent wrestling, maybe we yeah. should have uh, reached out to our female audience. Do we have any female listeners? I would be interested to know. Mark, I have crunched the numbers. And I have shaken the magic eight ball. And it says, all signs point to no. <laughs> I don't know that there's a lot of pro wrestling podcasts that have female listenerships. Maybe the ones, even the ones with females as host. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of, there's a lot of ladies that like wrestling podcasts. You just don't hear about it a lot. I think women just have to be more careful interacting online. Like, right. There's um there are a lot of female wrestling fans on Twitter mm-hmm. that I yeah. follow. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't see them talking a lot about podcast. Yeah. Yeah, they're more into the wrestlers, the good looking guys. It's funny how that works. <laughs> they're yeah. not interested in listening to fat ugly guys talk about wrestling. <laughs> they're nah. interested in, in athletically fit, good looking men actually wrestling. Well, what are you going to do? You know. Uh, Well, we appreciate you listening. This has been, I would say, I would honestly say, hey, if there's one episode of the Double Dropkick show that you would have someone listen to that would pretty much epitomize everything about the show, this may be the one. I would say it epitomizes everything about our friendship. Yes. This show right here does. Right. You know, because that's just what we do. We start somewhere and wind up somewhere else and ramble and say somebody at some point somebody's gonna get made fun of. <laughs> you know? This time it happened to be me. That's just rare. The one side of three hundred and twelve <laughs> episodes that it happened, fans, you were here for the moment. Yeah, you got me. 
I didn't get you. you but you did. But like, there was a moment when you knew you had me sounding like, because I saw you going, God, he's really doing this. <laughs> and it started to dawn on me, man, I sound like a nerd. <laughs> hey, we like nerds. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. Huh? It I don't takes care. all types. Anyway, thanks for listening to this episode of the Double Drop Kick Show. We hope you enjoy your video games, your sports cards, and your wrestling. And as always, for the show, I'm Heath Mulliken. And I'm Mark Whitman. And that's it this week, fans. So long for now.